So, God wants us to live by faith. He wants us to put our faith into action. Our faith, our faith in a faithful God. So it's about faith in a faithful God. Our faith is not in faith itself, uh, but in God, in who he is, in his character, in his goodness. And so we've looked at five Old Testament characters and seen how God's worked in and through their lives. So let's have a quick... Who, can anyone remember who the five uh, characters that we've looked at are? Abraham. Abraham Noah. Daniel. Esther, Ruth, anyone else? Was that five? I lost, I lost count after the second one. Well done. So we've had some great talks, haven't we, from, from Drew and from Nita, from Julian, from Jodie. And they're really good talks. So they're on the website. So if you want to listen to them again, please do. So I'm going to try and do a bit of a, a recap a roundup, but so to bring in, if you like, a, a bit of highlight, um, uh, things that have in, inspired me, encouraged me, but also uh, things that I believe the Holy Spirit is highlighting. I'm not sure I'm going to get through it all, really. So I'm going to, I've tried to order it a bit better, but you know, looking at that clock, I've got plenty of time because it's just gone half past 10. So I'm fine. So thank you. Buckle up, yeah. So we started by looking at Hebrews um, 11. Thank you, Dave. We can have the PowerPoint on that. I don't know why I said don't do it. I was just... Faith in action. So can you see that? It's a bit... bit it's much smaller on that screen. So we're looking at faith in action, and we found that in Hebrews 11, it gave us a framework of faith. So faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure and certain of things that we, we can't see with natural eyes, but we are to look with spiritual eyes. If you hadn't noticed already, God is invisible. Have you seen him lately? And it's by faith that we believe that God is real and here. And he is here, isn't he? God is at work. But some of us here are, are going... I'm not sure I believe you, actually. I'm not quite there yet. I remember there was a time in my life I was thinking, God, does he really exist? Is he really there? And then one day I had that penny-dropping moment and it all made sense. All those people I'd met before were complete nutters, basket cases, but they had something that I didn't have. And then I realised for myself because the revelation of God came to me. And then all of a sudden, they weren't so weird and wacky anymore. They become my brothers and sisters. So, so we are to live by faith and not by sight. And you know, faith pleases God. Hebrews tells us that it's in, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when we believe God is there and we reach out for him, we look for him, he responds to that. God sees faith and it pleases him. But faith is realising that this world is not our home. This is not all there is. This is not what life is all about. There is 
more. This is temporary accommodation. This is temporary accommodation. We don't worship the creation. We don't worship our bodies. We don't worship what's been made. We worship the creator and the maker of all. Temporary accommodation, temporary assignment, uh, eternal home. Faith is about understanding the past. So as we look to the past, how did we get here? What's it all about? God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. It's not simple Sunday school teaching. It's real life, everyday living that I've got a creator God. And he's got the best way and will for me to live. This world and this world's wisdom simply is not the best and it's not enough. We need God. We need him. It's about looking to the future, our heavenly home, where God is and God will be a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies. Everything's new. Hallelujah. We have got a glorious future, so we don't need to hang on to and pine after this life. Because of that, it can change the way we live in the present. If we understand that God is our creator, if we understand that God is our rescuer and healer and deliverer and he's got a place for us, we can live um, free from incumbents to living for this world. It's a challenge to us. Even when we're believing in Jesus and trusting him, it's a challenge to us. But faith is going, don't live for what you can see with these. Live for what you can see with these eyes, the eyes of faith. Faith comes from accepting God's word. God speaks a better word. We've got the written word in the Bible. We've got his word that comes to us. What, what we were doing, God was speaking a better word to us. His wind will come and blow us. His waves will move us. We can be forward, moving, growing, being different because God is at work. So if we respond and accept it and move in it, that's, that is living by faith. Because I can't see any wind. I can't see any waves. I could just see some blue flags being waved beautifully. But no, there is more going on. That heaven was breaking through. The reality of heaven. Things were getting... Things were getting when Regina was doing... Did you, it was breaking up stuff in the spirit that was moving things along in the heavenly realm. But we could have just seen Regina in the middle of this hall in Grown Drive in Debden, but all heaven was breaking loose. So, it, so, it's, so we can believe it or not, it's up to us. Faith, so faith is not saying kiss your brains and thinking goodbye. No, faith can begin with our thinking, with, can begin with our consideration and our reasoning, because what we're doing is, no way. Yeah, I think God is able. No, this can't happen. No, no, no. God, when I look back at people in the scriptures, God does awesome things. When people I know and I meet and they tell me God does that stuff, really? Well, I don't know. Faith begins with thinking, changing my thinking, renewing my thinking. God, creator, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Well, there's a home in heaven forever. No, but, but God... 
what, what about this coincidence? What about this little thing that's happened in my life? What, uh, uh, oh, I think God is able. So when we start thinking God is able, that's faith at work in us. Faith is about what we do. So we, we've seen people that have lived a life of obedience to God. See, faith isn't just saying, I believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Thank you very much. Uh, go and have my Sunday dinner and live how I like the rest of the week. But I've been to church on a Sunday. Great. That is rubbish. Faith that pleases God is a faith that works out obedient responsiveness to what he's saying. What is God saying? What is God doing? Am I responding to that well? It's a living, active, breathing, dynamic relationship of faith with an invisible God. Because I find myself talking to people and talking about my invisible friend and thinking, am I mad? Am I a loony? Because I've got this invisible friend. And that's where people can look. But he's alive and he's real and he's at work and he's living and he's active. So, so faith always, real faith always acts out. You can't just go, God bless you, be well. But it wants to do faith in God, wants to be like God and respond to the things that need to be responded to. But faith doesn't guarantee success on this earth, we found out. That, um, the, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, it, it, it says like, These people did great things and these happened, but not all of them got what they were looking for, hoping for, this side of death. Some of them died. Some of them didn't get all that they were dreaming about or believing for. Some of them did, and we'll, we'll look at a few of them. They did get something, but eventually they did die, and they didn't get everything what they wanted on this earth. So it's, it's we are not looking for worldly success. We're looking for God's kingdom, the rule and reign of God being made manifest in our lives and circumstances, whether it does us good or not. It does us good, but we might not think it does us good. You know, Our faith is in God and we might go through the darkest valley. And when we're going through the darkest valley, a person could be tempted, oh well, Stuff this for a game of soldiers. That's the technical Greek term. Stuff this for a game of soldiers. I'm going off. Where's God in this situation? He's right there in it. He goes through the storms with us. Are we holding on by faith to our gods? Just because it doesn't look like it works does not mean that God is not at work. So, oops, I don't want that one yet because I haven't done all the slides that I want. Anyway, so let's look, first of all, at Noah. So if you want to go back, listen to the talks on the website, do that. If you want to read your Bible, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. But basically what it says is this, and we're not going to look at all of it, but at the time of Noah, the, the earth was wicked. It was corrupt. It was spoiled in God's sight. Not in people's sight, in God's sight, God's opinion, God's judgment. It was wicked, corrupt, full of violence. God's going to do something about it. And then it says, but Noah. 
Noah. Noah was a man who found favour with God. Why did he find favour with God? Because it tells us that, God, uh, that Noah walked faithfully with his God. Noah walked faithfully with his God. What's that mean? Noah had a relationship with God. When the rest of the world, all the known people that were there, no one else was walking with God, had a relationship with God, but Noah. And because of Noah, God decided to rescue and save Noah and his family and all those that would come with him in the ark. But the thing I want you to get hold of is this, is that an expression of faith is that we walk humbly and faithfully with our God. It's all about relationship, relationship with God and relationship with God Sorry, that steps into obedience. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. So, what about you? What about you? Are you faithfully walking with God? I'm not asking if you come to church on a Sunday or a Bible study on a Wednesday night or not, but are you faithfully walking with God every day? in relationship with him. That's what he desires for us. Are you being obedient to God by doing what he asks you to do? So if God asks us to do something, then by faith, we, we want to do it. We want to check it out, check it out with the word, check it out. Is, does this witness with other believers? You know, particularly if it, I mean, if it's, a, you know, depending on what it is, let's not... Let's use wisdom, but what is God saying? And if he's saying it, we need to do it. And as I think we said one week when we were doing Zooms, like, disobedience is disobedience. And obedience is obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So if you haven't done it yet, you haven't obeyed. There's not a waiting room in that sense. It's either, am, am I going to do what God says or aren't I? Oh, I'm just going to hang with this for a bit for a little while. No, 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 it's disobedience. So it's, well, I'm either, I'm either obeying God or disobeying God. And so we need to be moved by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, by the people of God. Yeah, we're responding in faith and doing what he says. So faith in God speaks to us about relationship and obedience. Okay, then we come on to, oh no, I don't want to do that. Uh, Ruth, I didn't do a slides. Ruth. So we've looked at now, we're looking at Ruth now. Now Ruth, life was bad for, life was bad for Naomi and her husband. So it's in the book of Ruth. And Naomi and her husband, um, with their two sons, they moved to a foreign land. They went to a foreign land. While they were in the foreign land, they, her sons, they got married. That's good news. But then her husband died. Bad news. Then one son dies, then the other son dies. Bad news for Ruth. Ruth is now living in a foreign land with two daughters-in-laws because her, her son's got married. What's she got to give them? What's she got to give them? She's got nothing to give them. And so she basically says to them, look, I'm going to go back to my people. Back to my people, back to my God. Uh, I've got nothing for you. You go. So one daughter-in-law goes back to her, 
her people and her God. And the other one, Naomi, lingers. She says, go, go. And then Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 18 says this. Naomi says, look, Ruth, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Ruth had a choice to make. Both choices um, gave her an uncertain future. Option one, go back to her people and their gods, possibly her gods. Go back to what she knew, what she was used to, just go back. Or option two, go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to her people and to her gods. And so Ruth expressed her faith by going with her mother-in-law. She went with Naomi. Ruth had obviously seen something in Naomi's life, even though life was hard and difficult and it didn't work out and she had a bit of a moan and a groan. There was something there that she saw that recognised. There's something about God in her life and there's something about my relationship with her. Ruth would rather have an uncertain future with the Lord God and his people, her mother-in-law, than to go back to what she knew and was used to. It is so easy to go back to what we know and what we're used to, to go back to what we're comfortable with. Scripture says, you know, one of those favourite ones in Proverbs, a dog will return to its vomit, which sounds a pretty awful thing to do. But do we not as people do that? Ruth expresses her faith in the faithful God by a life commitment. Committed to God, your God will be my God, and committed to Naomi and to God's people. And she was willing to die. She's basically saying, I'm going to go with you, and if it costs me everything... It costs me everything. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But I'm going to die trusting God and you. I'm going with you. Commitment. So, <clears throat> as they step out in faith, it could be that it didn't work out. But it did work out. It worked out really well for Naomi and for Ruth. They were really blessed. God worked for a guy called Boaz and he helped them out. And eventually Ruth and Boaz got married and then, hmm, God's purposes and plans being at work through Ruth, a foreigner, a Moabitess, because through Ruth and Boaz, you get the family line, King David, and ultimately the Lord Jesus. God was up to something, wasn't he? 
So this inspires me and challenges me to, in regard to seeing God in other people, in their lives and in their relationships. In, in the relationships that I have with people, but also in the relationships that people have with one another. You can just go, God is in that relationship. And my belief is that there are certain relationships that are ordained from heaven. God is going to do something. He's going to connect the people together. And they, there's like a heart connection. There's just like we're brothers in the Lord. We're sisters. And um, you, could, you can use the term covenant relationship to describe that. But you could also use the term soul tie. That two souls, two lives are tied together. And we want those lives, to, if you like, to be uh, knitted together uh, in the love of God. God, would you knit us together with cords of strong ties? Would you do something within us that unifies us, that causes us to be people that really love one another? But what I'm talking about is like these special relationships. Godly soul ties, healthy, healthy and good Healthy and good, not just for... Chris, stand up. Come, join me. Healthy, healthy and good. So if we've got like this godly soul tie relationship, relax. I should have got James. Swap over, James. Watch. What? Oh. See, it's just more natural, isn't it? Okay. Chris doesn't like hugging. Chris doesn't like hugging. That's all right. I am not talking about personality or touchy-feely, that's not what I'm talking about with a soul tie. So it's like a spiritual connection. It's a godly connection. God is at work. So if you've got that relationship, it's good for you. But it doesn't stop there. It's good for other people. And then it's good for other people. Then it's good for other people. Because there's blessing in godly good relationships. There, it's about releasing one another, empowering one another, enabling one another. It's not about jealousy. It's not about comparison. It's about freedom and releasing and igniting a passion for the things of God in one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so in that relationship, it just blesses and do does good to families and homes, and not just nuclear families, but kingdom families. So it's this covenant relationship, this soul tie, that is so good. It's a thing of beauty, and it is for God's purposes and plans. So even then, it's, it's all about us, but it's not about us. It's about God and his kingdom and his purposes and his plans. But he chooses us to get involved with him. And so if we, in God, gang together, and there you've got that relationship, like I've used, like used this in, in sense of marriage, but if you've got a triangle and there's one person here, one person here, the closer we get to God, the closer we get to one another. If we inspire that in each other, look to him. Don't make it about the relationship. Don't focus on the relationship. Focus on Jesus. But as we focus on Jesus and we get together and we serve together and we love together and we read the word together and do like share life in Jesus together, then all heaven breaks loose. That is what I'm talking about, about a soul tie. That, a godly soul tie, a healthy soul tie, that is what happened with Ruth. 
with Ruth and Naomi, with Ruth and Boaz, it blessed generations. So it wasn't, it was not a curse to people, it was a blessing to people. So, I think Katie's excited. Godly soul ties, listen, they're life-affirming, they're life-giving, they're, they're healthy. It's good. But there can be negative soul ties where we make connections with the wrong people or they're the right people but something goes wrong. It gets spoiled, it goes toxic, it's not not good for us. So rather than giving life and releasing and um, an ungodly saltai will enslave someone else. It will want to control someone else. It will want to manipulate and dominate and overly influence someone else. That is not good. That is death, not life. It destroys and kills. It doesn't build up and it doesn't encourage. Uh, those sort of soul ties, evil spirits can attach themselves to. The demonic influence loves all that, breeds competitiveness in a, in a neg, like in not, not friendly football game, but being competitive and jealous and just horrible stuff. And I and I believe that that's where um, witchcraft can really get into the church get into people's lives. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've seen people involved in witchcraft dominate, control people, people that they haven't even met because they're on a bit of a run, you know. And, and it's destructive. It is destructive. Don't, don't want it here. We just don't want that sort of relationships, do we? And if we see it... So let's be really careful. If we see it and we know it, we need God to do a work in us. We need to pray together and work it through. And some relationships in the natural will need to end. But some won't. Because some of those relationships, I'm going, I'm going off. Some of those relationships are between a husband and a wife, or a mother and a daughter, or they're not healthy. It's not good. And so when we recognise an ungodly soul tie, we need to be cut off from it and broken from it, and so do the people connected to it. Because ultimately, it is enslaving and doing something bad to us and to our generations. It becomes a curse, rather than being life-giving and good. So we need to just recognise it. So we may, some relationships we might need to get out of. Some, we need to God to do a, a, a magnificent, miraculous work because it might be that we're married to them or their son and their daughter. And God doesn't want to destroy. He wants to mend if possible. So it might need working out. So, um, you know, those negative soul ties can lead to uh, codependency, where one person then becomes so reliant on the other person for their approval. Uh, is that all right? Is that okay? Or their identity. Is this who I am? And it's destructive. If you recognise it, we need, to, we need to work through it and deal with it. And I think skipping, so we're looking at Ruth, but um, Julie, uh, who spoke on Esther? Julian did speak on Esther. Um, the, you've got um, Mordecai, Esther's cousin, 
there's, there's a good example of a godly soul tie, what they did together. But then Haman was so bent out of shape about Mordecai. Right? He was in a position, Haman, this is in the book of Esther, Haman was in a position under the king to receive everyone's, oh wow, what a top bloke. And he wanted to enforce everyone's almost to, to worship him. The guy obviously had a problem. Right? But when he saw Mordecai, the Jew, who had worshipped the one true living God, not bow down, scrape and worship him, it really got under his skin. Now, you could say that it's a work of demonic. It's, it's going to fulfil, we know in the story, it's going to fulfil the purposes of God. But I want to I argue that maybe there was an ungodly soul tie going on. Why was Haman so connected to this man? He wanted to dominate him. He wanted to control him. He wanted to manipulate him. He wanted him to do exactly what he wanted. There was something sick going on there, something really toxic, which led not only to him hating Mordecai, but also wanting to annihilate a whole people group, the people of God. There's something going on there. There's more to life than meets the eye, isn't there? And, um, and so we, we just need to be, God, give us great discernment. God, give us wisdom and insight. What is going on in my life? So if we need some, if we, let me just, okay. Uh, right, let's go back. So if by faith, do you recognise that God is putting someone in your life that he's asking you to make a God, godly soul tie with? Now, it could be that... It, I don't want to box it, but it could be that you're... I just, I just need to be serving them and loving them and building them up. It could be I need to be... Actually, I need to be on the receiving end of them. Like, so if I'm um, Naomi, go away, Ruth, go away, Ruth. Actually, no, they've... They've, they've decided that they're going to be doing this thing. So I need to let them do it to release life, the kingdom life. So we're recognising God at work. So it's not about us. We're not getting caught up with us. It's probably more to say, but anyway. By faith, do you recognise an ungodly soul tie in your life that needs cutting off? And by faith, do you recognise that God is calling you to have a covenant relationship or a soul tie relationship with him spiritual so it's a spiritual emotional relationship with another person with god that is good and healthy or bad and toxic what do we recognize what is god saying to us where is god wanting to release life where is he wanting to bring an end to death and destruction is is this ringing any bells with anybody in the room? Not just, but just like knowing, okay, God, God, God is at work. Okay, so, um, who, who is recognising, it might be you get both, but just, I just want a bit of feedback. Who's recognising a positive sense, going, oh, do you know what, there's that person, I just really need to get on with that, God. Okay, excellent. And who's going, oh, stuff. I've got this negative, ungodly soul tie and it needs sorting out. A negative connection can be with someone who's dead. Thank you, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Drew. Yeah. 
because you're still attached to them. It's like, what we're talking about is like having an umbilical cord, an umbilical cord between people, which can bring life. But if you're attached to, if you're attached to a dead person and they're rotting away, like just picture language, what's that going to do to you? Okay? So, if we're connected wrongly to, to dead people, it's going to bring death and destruction to us. So, I'm going to end that. Huh? Well, maybe, what I'm just deciding what to do in terms of an active response. Because are there more people here than... Okay, so let's... Um, do you want to turn off the screen, Dave, please? So, so if... So... <laughs> oh, because that's so important. We'll wait for our tea and coffee. I will... Let's, let's end with this. So I, I want people today to be able, one, to do some business with God that says, by faith, being sure of what I hope for, certain of what I do not see, there's a relationship that God, that you want me to have with a particular person or people. Actually, saying that, it might be to this church family. It might be that you are not committed to this church family. It might be that you've been coming here for the last 20 years, but you're not committed. There's that you've not given yourself. Then maybe it's a time to give. So we're giving ourselves away to someone else to bless and encourage. So there's a positive business that I want us to do. Just say, yes, Lord, I'm responding. Right? And then there's the, the negative one, negative cutting off soul tide that's saying, like, I want to be cut free from this. So we could do something now about both of them. So let's just, for the positive one, like, you don't have to say out loud, we're just going to pray for us. But could you do something with your physical body, if you're able to, to respond and just say, Lord God, I am responding, I believe you want me to be in a healthy, godly um, soul tie. And um, I, I want to do my best to make that happen. And so, Lord, I pray that by your grace and it, it, grace in me and in um, that person so that your purposes and plans are fulfilled. And I just want to put myself in your way, Lord God, and say, have your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Just make myself open. Steer me, guide me, lead me. Bring it about so it brings glory to you and fulfills your purposes and plans on this earth. Amen. Amen. Simple as that. By faith in a faithful God. And then if you want to, you can sit down, but if you'll stand up and go, actually, like I want to deal with this negative, ungodly, soul tie. I don't want any demonic influence that has attached itself, any unclean spirit that's attached itself. No, I want it to go. There might be some working out in the natural to this, if it's like in a marriage or whatever, that a relationship. But God, the spiritual work we want to do now. So what we'll do, we'll use those five R's that hopefully we, we know about and, and we use. So we're going to pray. Um, Lord God, I recognise an unhealthy, 
ungodly soul tie in my life. And just pause in that and just be really personal with God about it, whether you're the one who's initiating it and making it happen, because it might be you, or whether you're at the receiving end of it and it's all mutual. Just recognise what's going on. Lord, I now choose to repent of my sin of agreeing with and joining with an ungodly soul tie with this person. And you can name that person in, your, in the quiet place of your own heart. Lord, I recognise it's not good and healthy for me, for them or for others. I recognise that it's bringing slavery and death and it's toxic and I want to turn away from it. Lord, I want to bless that person. So if they're living or dead, I bless them in Jesus' name. But Lord, I turn away from the ungodly, unhealthy nature of that relationship. Help me to turn away from it spiritually and emotionally, Lord God. We pray, Lord, for your washing clean. We thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the power of your blood. So we speak cleansing and by faith receive the Lord's forgiveness. Receive it. Don't skip loosely past, but now receive God's forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the authority that we have in you to say no to evil and sin and say yes to you. So in Jesus' name, we break the power of that ungodly soul tie. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name. Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. In his name. That's the Jesus we're talking about. We speak freedom and we speak release in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, replace and repair our thinking that where, where even the thought has come into our mind that says, yeah, but how can I do life without that person? How can I? How can I? By God's grace, we can. And so we release a word, a God that speaks a better word, a better word, uncertain future, but with a certain God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness, we pray. Amen. Amen.